0: Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes. To all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Good, what do you call it? Good evening, everyone. How are we doing today? It is five o'clock. We, of course, are going to talk about one rental at a time. Uh, this is your chance to ask the author any questions you would like. Um, you know, writing a book is, uh, is not as easy as some people make it look. Uh, writing this book for me, writing the rough draft Fairly easy, right? You sit down in front of your computer, you know, an hour, 90 minutes a day for three weeks or so. A lot of stuff comes out on paper. But the editing, the editing of a book, tough structure, what comes first? What do you put in? What do you take out? That was no fun. That was no fun. So, yeah, if you ever want to write a book, I suggest letting it all go. Write, 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 get to some end point, then go back and see what you have. That's, uh, that's what worked for me. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. The book was written for a couple of reasons. First, first it was written for, for me, right? We, we had just both gotten financially free, right? Both left our W 2 jobs. Uh, I was struggling, as I've talked about many times now. I was a I was a weekend away from just accepting a job, which, boy, would that have been, you know, looking back now, that would have been such a failure, right? You, you're you're type A. You got to go. Just keep moving on, and then you 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 win the race, whatever the race is. And then you got nothing to do, and you feel like uh, you feel like a failure, and your your mental mind game, man, it's uh, it's a dangerous thing to let go. So uh, was a weekend away. Decided, you know, I needed to uh, I needed to document our journey because, frankly, I didn't enjoy it a lot, as I've admitted many times. And I think one of the points in the book is celebrate the small wins, and um, we didn't do that. I didn't do that. So I wanted to, I wanted to document the history for me. I honestly didn't think it would turn into a book or a book wasn't my idea. It's just, I had to get it out. I felt like I had something that was helpful. And as I'm starting to go back through the editing process, I'm just reminded of Rich Dad Poor Dad. Again, I've read that book more than any other book out there. And it has fundamentally changed my picture of money, what wealth is, what freedom is, but every time I read it, I'm always left with, okay, what's next? What's next? And as I'm sitting here looking at the rough draft of one rental at a time, I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is what's next, right? Maybe you can write this book and organize it from, Hey, you read rich dad, poor dad. Cause you found the purple book in a bookstore. And Oh, by the way, you like purple. So I'm glad it was there. And then tell tell the audience what happened the good and the bad the wins and the losses and that's where this really took off is you know could i could i write the compliment it's it's obviously a stretch in a dream or whatever to think that this will ever do what rich dad poor dad did but it's at least one person's honest review of a 15 year journey after reading and reading rich dad poor dad changing your mindset and then getting after it that's what we did, right? That's what we did. So we we focused, we learned our market. We never lived in our market. We had to build a team. We had to fire people. We had a horrible landlord issues along the way. We saw a crazy run-up. We saw a crash. There's a lot in this book. We gave you lessons learned, 21 of those, gave you what 11 key ideas. So I'm hoping the book is helpful. And I'm just stalling here trying to get to the five-minute mark to see people join. We've got eight folks, nine folks now. So uh, I'll just stop, and uh, we'll see if anybody has questions. Uh, this really is for you. Uh, I thought we'd get to 30 or 40 folks and maybe get a bunch of questions. If we do, great. If we don't, great. We'll, we'll end this when there are no questions. So do me a favor. I'm doing this from my computer, so I have a lot more real estate. If you have a question you would like to ask me about the book, the story, maybe something's missing. You thought that I missed something, totally possible. Go ahead and ask the question. Uh, Michael is the first one to respond, just said, uh, the book came out great. Thanks for it. Glad you included your journey after, re- uh, after retirement. Hi, Ronald. Glad you made it. Welcome. I just, uh, just stalled for five minutes, giving a, a rundown. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask, please do. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Anybody have questions? One of the keys of the book, obviously, is, you know, as people say, is if I can do it, you can do it. This book is meant to be meant to build confidence and belief. Right. You may not have the ability to sacrifice for 15 years and just go for it, but I believe this book holds the key to a better financial future for everyone. I believe everybody can get four rentals, right? Shoot, if you get one conservatively financed rental with 30-year mortgage under 4%, I think you're going to be really happy in five or six years. So any questions? Oh, that's a good question. Was it always your goal from the beginning to reach financial freedom? God, I wish I could answer that with a yes, but no. Uh, so I was 30 years old as you've read in the book and the only thing I ever thought about was working until I was 50. I mean, if I, I thought if I worked till I was 50 and, and frankly, just had enough savings that, that retiring at 50 would be a good idea. Um, you know, I was raised in a family, uh, that for the most part i was I, be, I believed as a kid they would work until they died i mean my father said that many times um that he was going to work until they carried him out uh and he's he was approaching or he is approaching 70 uh, and that was his intention so no i i never saw the beginning of this story those first eight houses financial freedom never entered my mind financial independence retire early the fire movement never entered my mind i solely wanted a better future that's all I wanted in the beginning it was getting to four and then I thought if I can get to 10 um, you know I might have an okay retirement right I might have an okay retirement at 50 or 60. no I never I never thought about financial freedom right you know having your in your passive income exceed your expenses and probably till year 10 or 11 right? So from 30 to 40 years old in, in the story, never even thought about it. I was working crazy hard during my day job, leaning forward, being promoted, doing more stuff, you know, coming home sometime Saturday, resting Sunday and going back out and doing it again. So yeah, I, um, that was never my goal. I wish I could sit here now and say, yeah, it was my goal. And I got there and yay, celebrate. But that would be so dishonest as to be not me. So no, that wasn't my um that didn't start as my goal and, and until sometime in my 40s. Wasn't even something I thought about. All right, Michael, what do you got? I'm ready to invest. I actually live in Clovis. Uh, what do you do in the Fresno market today? Well, Michael, um you're lucky I talk about the Fresno market all the time and in Clovis. You know, you've heard me say Clovis is the Cupertino of Fresno. What I mean by that is it's the good school district, so people want to live there. Uh, Michael, if, if today anything that's clean is getting bit up by owner occupants, I've talked about that a lot. Uh, today is the day to watch your market, learn your market. Uh, it's going to be really hard to score a clean property today, with the low inventory and the high demand. Simply said, it's probably not going to be profitable. Right? It's really, really hard to find a good or great deal today if you find when it gets bid up. So today, it's all about learning your market. There's kind of good news and bad news today, Michael. The good news is if you look at your market every day through the rest of the year, you will learn it better than most people because today it's changing almost weekly. When I started doing this, it was a much slower market. means I'm going to assume you're still there until I see you. Michael, today's the day to just watch. Hopefully that helps. I'm getting this unstable warning, but we'll just keep going. Hi, Ronald. Let's see what you got. In my area of Evansville, oh, Indiana. Okay. In my area in Indiana, the number of sales and prices are both higher than a year ago. Yeah, most markets. Uh, Wait. Yeah, sales and prices uh, are higher than a year ago. I'm uncertain in these times. I have been investing since 1994, and this is new feeling. Your thoughts? Well, Ronald, welcome to my world. I have been doing this not quite as long, so call it 2002. Uh, and the last two months and probably the next six, as I just shared with Michael, is the most unusual. So I experienced 0506 in Fresno. And that was an, that was a weird market because of lending. Lending was terrible, right? It was just bad standards. But even then... My competition was about 60-40, owners versus investors. And what happened is investors could still do deals because we were the numbers kind of worked. Um, today, it's like 90-10. So I don't know your market of Indiana. So if your market's different, please forgive me. But the market I'm in today, it is so dominant by owner-occupants and they can frankly outpay me, right? Owner occupants, typically first-time buyers with three and a half percent down and interest rates with a two on it, they can pay 10 grand more and their payment is less. How do you compete with that? You don't. The market today is very unusual. Ronald, you should be uneasy. You clearly are watching your market. It is so strange. As you know, Ronald, it won't always be this way. This health crisis has caused a lot of things to break. There's going to be some winners and some losers. I don't know where Evansville is. Forgive me, but is it within a couple hours of a major city? Uh, Major cities are losing. San Francisco's losing. New York, losing. Chicago, losing. Seattle, losing. But if you go two hours outside those areas, they're winning and, and winning big. So just like uh, Ronald, I shared with Michael, I think the answer is to keep looking because you never can stop. You can't stop looking. Keep stacking cash. If you find one of those strange oddball deals that's mislisted or misclarified, go get it. But it's okay to be uncomfortable today. You should be. Owner occupants have never dominated a market like I have seen in the last 60 to 90 days and likely will do through the election. It is very very uncertain times and as you know, 15 years experience in here, never seen it before so Ronald, congratulations you clearly know your market. I think uh, I think you should be un- un- it is a new feeling and I and I have the same new feeling as you. Uh, Cedric, would you invest in properties with an HOA? Uh, so I guess I have to answer that question, Cedric with two answers one, I own a condo with an HOA that is a rental property. Uh, I typically hate those because HOAs are like mortgages you can't pay off. HOAs can go up. Um, HOAs during the crash got busted. What that means is people not only didn't pay their mortgage, they didn't pay their HOA fee. So what happened is the owners who were paying got special assessments and HOAs went up huge. The condo that I bought, uh, basically bought for the price of a used car. And I'm like, okay, I got the, I got the condo for a used car. The HOA is 300 rents, 900 fine. I have a mortgage that will never pay off. Uh, but generally speaking, Cedric, uh, I do not believe most people consider the fact that HOAs go up and again, their mortgages, you can't pay off. Um, but that said, there are some upsides, HOAs, you know, they take care of the outside, you know you can have some comfort that from the exterior, they will always be uh, at a certain level. You can, um, you know, the tenants will be managed at least at some level, meaning there's not junk around. So there are upsides to an HOA, but in general, Cedric specifically said I am turned off by most HOA deals. But heck, if you want to give give one away for free or the price of a used car, I'll take it. Hopefully that helps. What will? Let's see. You mentioned you normally write a lot of offers before you land one. Yep. Do you write your own offers or do you use an agent? Do agents get annoyed with writing lots of offers, low ones? Uh, so I've been lucky enough to build up a stable of agents that have worked with me that I've made a lot of money from. Uh, I have three or four agents that have a template for my offers, meaning they write up my offers uh, in about fifteen or twenty seconds. They basically put in the address in the APN because my offers. Are the same except price. Uh, So I'm lucky that way that I have a history with agents and many of them have made 20, 30, 40, 50 grand off deals we've done. So they know I produce, but it took a while to build those. In the beginning, uh, while will, what I did is I went directly to the listing agents. That's one wrinkle uh, that maybe I haven't shared enough is let's say I found a property one, two, three main street, and I'm just starting out. I have no history with anybody. I would call the listing agent. Say, hey, my name is Michael Zuber. I'm an investor in the area. I saw 123 Main Street. I want to buy it as a rental. I'm going to offer X. And the listing agent who wants a double-sided commission is going to do one of a couple things. They're either going to say, A, great, thank you very much. Let's write it up. B, sorry, I already have an offer in hand. Uh, That offer is not going to work. Or C, sometimes they will say, I don't double in commission. I will pass you off to one of my other brokers. But by doing that, in the beginning, you are building your network. Your network is your net worth. In the beginning, you have to meet people. So call with a firm number. Uh, call with sincerity. Do your homework. Say, hey, I saw 123 Main Street. It's three bedroom, two bath. I saw the kitchen needs work. I'm going to rent it for 1200 I can't pay 170 but I can pay 152 What do you think? Don't just call them up a, a 200 listing in today's market, which is ridiculously hot, and offer 80 Right? That that I don't do that. I call up with numbers that make sense. Uh, so, while well, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, as of today, um, my agents don't mind writing up offers. It, it you can make a template for any buyer who's proven, and it takes a couple of minutes. So, um, no harm, no foul. With DocuSign, they can do it from their phone these days. Joey. How you doing, man? Uh, How difficult were some of the joint decisions with your significant other early on before your journey became a successful one? Uh, I admittedly uh, have um, been very lucky in this regard. Uh, As documented in our book, in this story, I was ready to punch out after that first horrible story. And it was Olivia who saved us and said, let's just keep going. Uh, one thing that I didn't document in the book is right around 2010, it was our most active year for buying Joey. I started buying some really, really rough stuff, like rough stuff. And uh, I remember one of the days going into a property that was just tore up and uh, Olivia was uh, was not happy. So what we did on that that car ride, that car ride home was a little icy. <laughs> as I remember. Uh, but what we agreed Joey on that one is Olivia had the right to veto any deal because you got to remember, she, she did the books, ran the business, pr- frankly, in my opinion, did all the hard work. And my job was to find money and secure deals. That's all I ever did. Right. So I was always in the creative juices. Um, and what I took from this after she was unhappy with this house she just went through is, you know, now you're poo-pooing in all my hard work. What are you doing? It takes, it takes time and energy. And I'm busting my ass seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year. How dare you tell me no? But in reality, after you calm down, you know, you go jump on another freaking plane ride, you figure out that she's right. This is a, This is a joint story. So what ended up happening is we had another discussion a couple of days later when I got home from that trip. And we agreed she had a veto power. Um, We agreed that three times a year um, she could veto any deal, and I wasn't able to ask why. She could walk into a house and get the heebie-jeebies or bad feng shui or wrong number or whatever, and I just had to take it. Um, As I remember, she only vetoed two deals after that discussion. Um, might've been three, but that was very comforting to her, right? Cause she was already helping raise the daughter, running the business, which at that point was hundreds of units. And here I am trying to add another junker every week or month or whatever it was. So it, it gave her power, made her feel a lot better. I had to respect that, but that wasn't easy for me to, that wasn't easy for me. My ego was hurt every time she said, no. Uh, but other than that, you know we had some disagreements about this and that, but it, it was um, frankly my my disagreements at work were harder than the disagreements at home and I realize I'm very lucky in that regard. Uh, but again remember we talked every almost every day, certainly five days a week, about the business. So nothing was a surprise. What I'll tell you, Joey, is bad news doesn't get better with age. Uh, you just got to take it. You know, if she heard about a remodel or a tenant not paying, she had to tell me if I didn't find any deals for 45 days, I had to tell her if if prices were going up, I had to tell her. So we talked, we didn't talk, we probably talked 20 minutes a day, maybe 30, uh, but constant, constant, constant communication. So hopefully that helps. Ronald, you're very welcome. Jim, can you explain the numbers on how you created an alligator with cash out refi? Want to follow your math there. I know you created it, but curious to know why you didn't know it was going to happen. Well, Jim, I was an idiot and I assumed banks were conservative. So the bank calls me after doing the appraisal and says, hey, it appraised. I'm going to make up the numbers It appraised for 200. We'll give you 160. What do you think? And my answer was, sure. I never asked what the mortgage payment was going to be. I never I never thought that. I assumed a bank would be conservative and not create a negative cash flow property. But no, the bank said, "Hey, you own a million bucks in real estate, you have a six-figure income and you have an 812 credit score. We will of course let you borrow more money than you could than the we will of course make your mortgage payment bigger than the rent check." I was an idiot. I don't know what to tell you, Jim. I was stupid and idiot, I was naive. When I got that first mortgage payment and it was like 11, I don't know, 11.25 and my rent was 10.95, I knew I was in trouble because I paid property management. I paid insurance. I paid property taxes. That property was going to be negative for the next 30 years if I kept it. Just stupid, 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 stupid. So Jim, the answer to uh, how I screwed up was I trusted the bank to be conservative. Said another way. I was naive. It was 100% my fault. The bank did exactly what the bank should have done. 100% my error, Jim. Sorry. Just It's what you learn along the way. Michael, uh, thanks for the answer. I get the Cupertino comparison. Awesome. Oh, Santa Clara, San Jose. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Find money and deploy it in deals. You and I are on the same page. Yep. That's all I do. Find deals, secure capital. Find deals, secure capital. It's pretty much all I do today. As well. Hi, Victor. What do you got? I rent and work in the Bay Area. Cool. I'm originally from Fresno. Awesome. For the first for the first time investor, would you recommend a house hacking in the Bay Area, to focus on rentals in the uh, Central Valley? Um, I guess I would tell you, Victor, that's that's really a personal choice. I will give you my thoughts. Uh, the answer there is: Do you do you see yourself, Victor, living in the Bay Area for the next ten years? I think the Bay Area is going to go through an adjustment. I don't think San Francisco is going to crash. I don't think the Bay Area crashes. I think the Bay Area adjusts. But could you, Victor, see yourself living in a house for 10 to 15 years? If the answer is yes, not a bad deal. Uh, But you got to remember, house hacking in the Bay Area, roommates, all this stuff going on. Um, you've really got to be up for that. You got to realize that if you're going to do that for 10 years, you may or may not be in a relationship that may or may not do other things. It's tough. Uh, personally, I wouldn't house hack. Um, frankly, I don't want to know any of my renters. Um, I could not imagine them being one wall away. Uh, that's just me, more of a private person, I guess. Um, so I think I think what I would do is I would rent in the Bay Area and, and invest where the numbers make sense. That's just me. But I mean, if you're going to live in the Bay Area for ten years, you got a kid that's in school and you're you're not going anywhere, then go for it. You know, there's get a get an interest rate sub three percent. Actually, you're probably in a jumbo loan, so that's probably has a four on it. Um, yeah, it's a tough it's a tough call. Uh, it really boils down, Victor, I think, to how long you're going to be there. Michael, if, if we're in an expansion or peak of the market, would it be good time to sell an investment or two to, to get ready to buy in a coming market? Uh, well, I don't know that we're in a peak of a market. I really don't. Michael, if you look at – oh, actually, you're in Clovis, if I remember correctly. So as you know, if you've read the book, I watched the affordability index. And it wasn't for Clovis. It was for Fresno. So realize that much but fresno back in 2006 the affordability index got under 20 i checked fresno the other day it's at 50 50 which means prices can go up a lot at current interest rates before it's unaffordable so i think it is a inaccurate conclusion to say prices are at the peak I am guessing Fresno is up 10 to 15 percent in the next 12 months, all because of what others have said, Ronald and I forget who else, I forgive me um, the market's crazy. Supply demand is wrong. It's just off. As long as owner occupants who were renters can become owners, prices are going up, folks, not down. The only thing that could stop this rally is if the foreclosure or forbearance wave explodes. And I just don't see that happening. I've done plenty of videos on it. We will certainly get more inventory when April to June next year, but it's not going to be what we need. We have one month supply in Fresno. That is asinine. You can't have peak prices with one month supply. Prices are going to go up. And oh, by the way, what will happen next is rents will go up. Man, this stuff is going to come. Uh, so I'm not willing to say we're at a peak. Uh, I own a lot of stuff. And some, one of my friends who's, who I helped start investing 15 years ago asked me that question this morning. What are you doing? Are you selling? I'm like, dude, I am holding on. I think this is 0405 all over again. Go back and look at Fresno's appreciation in 0405. It was double digits. I see no reason to sell today. Nope, not going to happen. So that's what I think, Michael. Uh, Michael, I mean, if you have an investment property, I mean, if I have an investment property that's not performing, bad area, bad math, whatever, yeah, I'd sell it. There's a triplex I'm selling uh, that we picked up for almost nothing that we're selling for almost 300 that's just never performed. We're selling that. We're going to put several hundred grand away and um we'll we'll put that somewhere else so this is the time to trim the bad properties that's the one property we're selling into the hot market because I just want it gone I just want it gone um it's still cash flows but it's not been the producer it should have been um so yeah we've we, we took our worst least performing property we're selling it we'll put the cash to use later uh, but that's we are not trimming our overall portfolio at all I I'm very clear. I think we have two more years of great appreciation. And then I'm going to repeat what's in this book. I'm going to 1031 out of eight to 80, or it's going to be 20 to 200 or 32 to 320, but you got to let the market run. The market's going to run for a while. Well, Will, have you considered looking in other markets other than Fresno? Yeah, dude. I think about that all the time. Uh, And the answer is I'm freaking lazy. I've already got my pile of monopoly greenhouses and red hotels. I see absolutely no reason to risk it anywhere else. California, Mr. Gavin Newsom annoys the hell out of me. Um, But I'm happy with the affordable rentals I have. I'm happy providing a service. Um, Yes. It hurts to be down 40 or 50 grand in cumulative rent uh, from tenants who are playing a game that Gavin Newsom authorized. Um, But I don't think the upside is there in all these other markets. I mean, back in 2008, people were screaming, Texas, Texas, Texas. Uh, And frankly, for a long time, they were right. Uh, But now I hear more and more people losing their properties because property taxes in Texas get reassessed every year. And what was once a monster cash flow rental is now an alligator. Just like HOA, I hate things that can go up every year that I have zero control over and is a mortgage I can't pay off. That's one of the huge benefits of Prop 13. Prop 13 in California, right? Caps, imp- caps uh, appreciation at 2%. I bought a lot of houses at cheap prices. So my taxes, yes, they go up, but they go up eight to nine bucks a year. Who cares? Texas, man, you're going up hundreds of dollars eating your cash flow. So I think a lot of people talking about other markets haven't experienced it. They're looking at the headlines. Oh, you can evict somebody in Texas in a week. Great, but you know, if you take my positive cash flow property and make it an alligator, that sucks as well. So, no, I'm not going anywhere again. I've got my monopoly chips, I've got the greenhouses and red hotels. I'm happy, I see no reason to risk it anywhere else. Better home rental, hi. So, so Michael, twice now you knew it was time to sell, once in the book 1031 and in 239. Yep, how did you know? It was time to sell. Prices are up. Should we sell? So again, uh, better home rental. I look at my market every day. I mean, people hear me say that and they don't think I'm telling the truth. I look every day. And when you do that, the market speaks to you. So in 2008, it became unaffordable. How'd I know? Well, I bought a house for 107 that rented for 1100. Four years later, I could buy that same house for 267 and it rented for 1100. It doesn't cash flow. The affordability broke. Today, prices are going up, but they still cash flow. Rents are up. Prices are up. Affordability, as I've said earlier, I think to Michael's question is 50 in Fresno. If the affordability index on single family home gets under 20, I will sell some homes. If it gets under 15, I will sell everything I own, period, end of story you got to know your market. you got to know your market. Now for multifamily in 2019, I have owned these for a long time. I have owned multifamily in a recession. I know how hard and painful it is to own a C-class property in a recession. I know C-class properties in Fresno should be an eight cap. In 2019, I saw a recession coming. I saw people paying six caps for an eight cap. I'm staring at a $200,000 capital requirement on one of my buildings, and I go, you know what? Let's try to sell this thing. Somebody sold it. Somebody bought it with a six cap, asked for about a $40,000 credit uh, because it needed 200K of work, and we sold that thing, and I've never been so happy. I know my market, and that's one of the reasons I don't go in other markets because I could never have the intimate knowledge in the history of Fresno if I had to divide my time. Why? Fresno's a million people. Why go anywhere else? That's what I think. Michael, Gavin with his new proposed state tax increase and wealth tax is just more bad. Gavin is going to bankrupt California. Frankly, he's already done it. Gavin is already bankrupt California. We're just playing the movie. The train is off the tracks. The first couple of cars are crashing, and it is going to be a huge 10-year catastrophe. He needs to go away. He screwed up. We are going to pay for it. But let's be clear. A lot of the policies that come out of San Francisco that made it to Sacramento, that whole chain of people, oh, oh, they have screwed up California. But, man, we can't undo it now. The bed is made. The room's toast. Fire, the fire is on. Oh, California's toast. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, JC, hey, bud. Uh, if we are 04, 05, oh, 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 five 2021, 20, okay. Does that mean 08, 09, 24, 25? So you are predicting a crash in four years? Uh, I guess the word I'm struggling there with JC is the word crash. I'm not predicting a crash. The crash last time was bad financing. If we do the same thing again, if we do two, three, four years of good loans and then we start doing stupid loans again, yeah, a crash will happen again. I do not see that coming. Um, I see an adjustment in 24, 25. So what do I mean by that? I think we're going to have a couple of good years of appreciation. Again, this is Fresno and you can think of other suburban markets the same way. Um, They're going to be double digits. And then at some point, the affordability index. Affordability is gonna go from 50, which is ridiculously high, to 40, to 35, to 30, to 28, to 25. And then it's gonna start slowing down. Two things impact affordability, price and interest rate. What will blow up this market, JC, is interest rates going to four and a half percent. So if you, JC, if you could tell me when interest rates will be four and a half percent again, I'll tell you when the crash is going to happen. I don't think they're there for 10 years, but I do see a plateau. That's why I'm trying to, trying to hedge my bet. I don't see a crash like last time. It, it's, it's never the same story. I see a run-up because, again, people are moving there. No supply, increased demand, prices go up, prices plateau, interest rates eventually go up, and then we suffer. So that's what I think, JC. But again, that's my market. I don't know yours. I want to. I, Yeah, I don't know your market. Theodore. uh, They will get rid of Prop 13 for commercial property someday soon, though. Theodore. They're going to have to get rid of Prop 13, period. In my opinion. They're going to attack it this year. They're going to go after Disneyland and other industrial owners. Then they're going to go after multifamily. Then they're going to go after investors like me. Then they're going to go after mom and pop. California's. Deficit is going to be 12 to $20 billion. And Prop 13's a kitty that they're just lick, licking their chops up. Unless we change leadership, Prop 13's toast, Theodore, in my opinion. They're going to crack it this year, and then they're going to use that crack, and they're just going to keep taking and taking and taking. My prediction. Jim. I remember you saying one time that new homes for home builders typically don't cash flow the way you need. Yeah, I, Jim, I think you just got to run the numbers uh, again in my market. Um, you know, you can buy a nice three bedroom, two bath, two story, like a seven thousand five hundred square foot lot. You're going to spend about three fifty, maybe three seventy five today. Um, but that's only going to rent for like eighteen hundred, maybe two thousand. It doesn't cash flow unless you put a lot down. You can go get a 200K home that's 40 years old and maybe get 1500 and it will rent. If a builder in Fresno or any market ever did build for rent, which is happening, um, I think it's Build America. I think it's a REIT, I think. I think it's a REIT, is actually building to rent. They are building communities where the outcome is renters. That's the wrinkle. If you can find that community, which they don't have in Fresno, go for it. Um, But in Fresno, they're building for owners, which means you get nicer tiles and nicer granite and solar panels and just other crap that makes it more expensive to operate and and run. It's just simple math. I think I might've missed a question. Uh, No, wait. Uh, property taxes in Texas have no state top cap. Yeah. Yep. Ronald. That's uh, I, I, I've i said this before. I'll say it again here. If I would have moved my California money to Texas in 2008, instead of apartments in California, I would have felt really good for about 10 years. And then I would have probably lost all the properties. No, thanks. Indy uh, Keith. I'm guessing that's what that is. I'm guessing. If it's not, I apologize. We have four single family rentals. Awesome. But haven't bought the last four years. Okay. Would like to put equity <coughs> to work on a couple of rentals, but nobody seems to want to do a HELOC on rentals. Prefer not to do a cash out. Thoughts. Um, yeah. Lending today is tough. I'm shocked you couldn't have got a HELOC last year. Um, I knew several people that got HELOCs in like August to October last year. HELOCs on rentals today are are no-nos. That will change. Uh, Lending always changes. Um, But I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to do a cash out. Your interest rates probably will go down, right? If you bought four years ago, your interest rate's probably five and a half, maybe six. You do a cash out refi today, you still get a four. So you could put cash in your pocket and probably lower your payment. I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to do that. But again, lending will change. HELOCs will come back. Uh, hopefully you saw in the book, lending has changed on us a dozen times. Banks are greedy, banks are scared. Banks are greedy, banks are scared. Yep. Uh, Rommel, how you doing? Uh, they're going to furlough 15,000 city employees already in LA. Yes, they are. I actually read it was 22,500. Yeah, 22,500. California is toast. Gavin Newsom and his cronies have screwed it up, and there is nothing we could do about it today. Money spent. uh, The rich are leaving their mobile, raising their state income tax another point and a half is an idiotic move. Dude, Pinterest paid $89 million to break a lease because their employees aren't coming back to San Francisco. Does that not tell you what's going to happen in California? No, 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 no. You high paid tech workers don't come to San Francisco anymore. Go somewhere else. Oh, by the way, landlord, here's 89 bucks. Let me break my 10 year lease. Oh my God. California. No good. And it's going to get worse. We ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. Uh, L.A. City is broke already. Well, L.A. City was broke last year. I just didn't know it. Well, frankly, California is broke. So let's not pick on L.A. California is broke. Hey, Basil. Greetings from Miami. How you doing, man? Ultimate Bargains, Jeffrey. Thanks for joining. JC, if Trump gets reelected, what happens to real estate and interest rate? If Biden gets elected, what happens to real estate and interest rate? That is probably the most important question today. Everybody knows we're coming up with an election on November 2nd or 3rd. I think it's 3rd. <clears throat> um, on my channel, I've been very specific and I try to thread the needle in the middle. I don't pick sides. Uh, I won't ever share who I vote for. It's just not who I am. And my vote is my vote. Yours is yours. But I think you're asking the right question. What happens? So if you've watched my channel, JC, for any length of the time, you know, I follow the consumer in cost of capital. So I'm going to use my answer to kind of tailor this question. What happens to the consumer in cost of capital under both scenarios? So we'll just go in the order that you asked. If Trump gets reelected, what happens? Well, the good news is we have four years to look back on. So probably what happens is we we continue to um, not be friendly with foreign countries. We probably bring more manufacturing home. Um, the... Um, probably more tax growth strategies. He is a builder <laughs> by reputation, at least. Um, so I see a huge infrastructure bill coming. Uh, I see still huge toxicity between the Senate and the house. Uh, Cause I do not see the house losing their seats. So I do see a split executive branch, um, Senate and House of Representatives, which probably means, unfortunately, we don't get a lot done for four years, which is not helpful. Uh, I would hope we get an infrastructure bill. (coughs) I think cost of capital stays low. Um, I think taxes for individuals stay the same. I don't know if I want to call them low. They stay the same. (coughs) So in reality, I think... um, I think overall, real estate real estate continues its upward trend. Uh, I think Trump will stay focused on the cities. I mean, he came out and declared, what did he declare today? New York, D.C., Seattle, Portland, like anarchist cities. I don't think that's very cool, but he did it. So I see more state city battles with the president, which I'm not sure is good, uh, but I see that happening. So I think that's... I think it's more of the same, but to your question, I think interest rates stay low. Interest rates stay low. Uh, and we bring more manufacturing, which ultimately leads to more jobs. I think we, um, I think real estate continues up now, Biden, Biden's going to come out swinging. He is going to undo so much stuff in the first 90 days, it is going to be like ripping a Band-Aid off expediently. Also, I see the fact that if if he gets elected, they, the blue might sweep. The red may lose the Senate, <coughs> which means, holy shit, we're going to spend a lot of money. We're going to be freaking drunken sailors. Our kids are going to be saddled with so much debt. The dollar is going to depreciate. Um. Taxes are gonna go up. They're gonna claim it's up on the rich, but it's gonna be up on everyone by the time he's done with year four. You can't spend the way he's gonna spend um and not have the dollar weaken and ultimately taxes have to come. You gotta pay for it somehow. But that said, I, I think by I think by the end of year four, I think Biden has successfully goosed, if you want to call it success. I'm not sure if this is success or not, but I think we've sparked inflation. I think inflation rears its ugly head faster under Biden than Trump. I just, I just do. Um, And I think that means interest rates go up. And I think by year four or so, uh, real estate will slow down. I don't think real estate crashes. I don't think real estate crashes under either presidency. Uh, I think what we are seeing is a fundamental shift in consumers where they used to be renters. Renting was cool. Now owning is cool. Renting in the city was cool. Now owning in the suburbs is cool. And I don't think that changes under either president. Uh, in, it may accelerate a little faster under Trump because he's picking on the big cities, which may scare more and more people away to the suburbs. That's that's a, certainly a reality that, that seems to be playing out day out, day in and day out. But I don't think either president-elect uh, would be bad for real estate. I think Biden impacts inflation first, just the width the freaking printing press on high. And then that ultimately inflects an interest rate. Interest rates ultimately impact housing. So that's what I see coming. Uh, Yeah. If you're watching this on replay, love to hear your feedback. Tell me where I'm wrong. Just made an offer on a property. Awesome. I made an offer today too. Uh, If single family increases is now a good time to purchase for an investment in Fresno. Wow. So this is going to be, You got to really be very careful with what I say here. I never bet on appreciation. Yes, as I said earlier, and I'll say now, I think appreciation is going to come in the next few years like a mother, but I'm not going to bet on it. I am not going to buy for appreciation. There are so many people I saw got burned in 2008 that I will never buy for appreciation because heck knows what if I'm wrong. What if the government institutes a law that all prices fall in half? It could happen. I don't know what that would be, but it could happen. So I want to be able to know that I can own my property long-term regardless of value. That is the only reason we survived 2008, is appreciation is not in my calculation. So yes, I think we're going to have appreciation, but no, that does not mean it's a good time to buy. You have to buy with cash flow. And today, as I think a few people pointed out, owner-occupants are beating us out, and I will not get in bidding wars. I won't get in bidding wars. I have backed out of deals for less than five grand. And today, owner-occupants can outpay me. It's just the way it is. Yep. So hopefully that makes recovery. Yes, I saw that yesterday. Ah, After several months of claiming V-shape. Jeffrey, you're a smart man, my friend. Yes, you can... um, The K-shape's coming, man. That was your idea. I've taken it and run with it. I think a K-shape recovery is everywhere. I think K-shape recovery, urban, suburban. I think K-shape tech, -tech. non-tech. K-shape renting versus owning. It's just going to happen. So how can you get the other side of the K, the upside, not the downside? Uh, Last I checked, HELOC, yeah, seven and a half. Yeah, seven, seven and a half. Cash out five. Exactly my point to the earlier question. Justin, sold my home and got a bunch of money. I'm scared to do anything with it right now. Well, Justin, don't be scared. Having cash is okay. That's what I, that's, first off, it's a new feeling for me. I have not had a lot of cash my entire life because I was busy investing it. Today, I'm telling everybody, and I've said it five times on this show, I can't find anything to buy. So I have, I'm waiting. It's okay. I'm glad it's not in the market after a 10% drop or 5% or whatever it was today. I'm just, cash is okay, people. Who said having cash was bad? Oh, inflation this, inflation that. Who cares? You're not you, you're not going to keep it there for 30 years. You're going to keep it there for six, nine, twelve months. It's okay. Relax. Take a breath. Keep watching your market. Wait for a great deal. It's okay. You're good, Justin. You'll be all right. Yep, Cedric. When would you recommend an investor transition from single family to multi? Uh, I would do it, Cedric, when the numbers told me. So I'm going to take a couple more questions because I told my wife I'd be done by six. So I'm going to be done at six. Uh, so Cedric, you got to know your numbers. What I teach, what I talk about in my course is I put everything in the same spreadsheet. If the spreadsheet says buy a 500 square foot house, I buy a 500 square foot house. If it says buy a 20 unit apartment, I buy a 20 unit apartment. All I want to know Cedric is, what is earning the most money? What is the cash on cash return said simply? Um, I don't believe bigger is better. The people that are out there screaming they own thousands of units are, first off, most of them are lying. But second, just owning more units, that's not a good thing. I will buy a house over a fourplex all day long if it produces more money, if it's a higher return. Don't believe more units is better. In fact, my roughest year was the first year we moved from houses to apartments. Because as I admitted earlier with the negative cash flow, I assumed operating an apartment was just like operating a house. It is not. People move a lot more frequently. People don't like their neighbors sometimes, and they call and complain a lot. So there is the people that are out there saying bigger is better, and we all know who it Um. They have an in-game. I don't have that in-game. So do it when the numbers make sense. Make sure you have cushion. The transition from houses to apartments is not as easy as people on YouTube make it look. You guys are talking. Cool. Oh, you offered less than 8 k Still got beat out. It happens. Awesome. No alligators. How much is this? Uh, How much does the U.S. debt matter? Um, I don't know that the debt matters all that much. Our ability to service the debt matters. The dollar matters. I have no inclination that this debt will be paid off in my lifetime. And I'm not even convinced it will be paid off in my daughter's lifetime. But our ability to service the debt has to keep. And it's one of the reasons I think interest rates stay low for a decade. Uh, Lewis, I think... uh, I don't know. I don't think, well, again, I don't, I've never invested in a market where there's snow. My market's Fresno, California. So the winter is 70 degrees. So it's not that bad. So I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I probably shouldn't speak. I mean, the people out there that invest in cities that snow, they would be better to ask. I, um, I'm probably not the best person to ask on that. Awesome. Thank you, Ronald. You're very welcome. I enjoy this stuff. Shar. Yeah, no kidding. Yep. Oregon, Washington, they're buying with cash. Yeah, bidding war is insane. Crazy Shark, great idea. Sit out. Watch the lunacy from the sidelines. Get some popcorn. You got it? Feeling better? Good. 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 Uh let's see. Maybe I missed a question. Oh, I don't know. Everybody's talking about the winter and the fall and flu season and second wave. For all I know, it could speed things up, Lewis. This this market's been wacky, right? People want space. Maybe a second wave makes city dwellers that stayed the first time want to leave. Who knows? It's impossible to say. Watch every day. Uh. 170 years. Yeah, so they're not gonna pay it off. See, Jeffrey, ultimate bargains always in with the win. That's awesome. Yes, bigger is better it is i own fire. Yep. Yeah, of course. Ronald, you and I see the same world. Good job. Michael, what's going on with the Pride of Ownership program? I have three units complete. I have a buyer for all three. He's going to sign Wednesday, next Wednesday. Uh, He needed to have some stock sales done. So I told him I'd wait a month. Um, It's hard to find stuff. I think I have another property coming, but it's tough. It's tough today because of everything I've said earlier. We're going to keep at it though. The good news is I have that office in the hub. I've got four wholesalers there. I'm spending thousands of dollars a month on marketing. So I'm sure we'll find some stuff. Char, uh, operative city zones, not my expertise. I read some literature on them 18 months ago when it first came out. It looked to me like a grab by the rich, which if you know anything about me, annoys me. Uh, I hate things that are made for the rich. So I didn't do it. I ran from that. Um, Not my thing. So with that, folks, I'm going to call this a day. I want to appreciate everybody joining. Uh, Do me a favor, hit a thumbs up, leave a comment when we're done. Let's see if other people will watch this. This has been a fun 55 minutes, and if you are still watching and you haven't left a five-star review yet, can I ask you to do that right now? Amazon or Audible or both. Let's leave some five-star reviews. It's on my goal sheet. I share my goals with you every Sunday. I'm not even tracking sales anymore. I'm only tracking five-star reviews. Help me out, please. Bye-bye.